0: May these words just find us right where we are and speak to our hearts. Are you ready for God's word? It's easy to receive his word when there's just such an open heart. Worship leads us to this place of being prepared and ready to receive. It says, I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see. Send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna. Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. Standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool. As white as snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand. And a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. In that day, if you were to see a map You would not have seen this little rock of an island. It was so remote that few even knew it existed. It rose out of the Aegean Sea, and it's a place where Domitian, this very evil emperor, would exile people if they weren't willing to do life according to his way. In John's case, he refused to declare Domitian as Lord. So Domitian exiles him, thinking that will shut him up. Little did he know that from that situation we would get the book of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelation. This island was not a vacation spot. It was an island where you would hear the moan of the starving and the dying, It was a hard, evil, difficult place. It was the most difficult time of John's life. And I want you to see the context so that when we see this appearance of Jesus, when we rehearse the revelation, this unveiling of Christ, you will see that he is God. You will be reminded that he's great, that he's big but that his greatness is not disconnected to difficult days. That John did not receive this revelation on vacation in the Caribbean, but he received this revelation in the most difficult moments of his life. And it tells us and encourages us that the nature and the character of God that express the greatness of God are tied to the reality of everyday life. In current reality, where there are challenges and circumstances that create uncertainty and maybe even fear, it is in just that kind of moment, even in the extremities of life, where we can see Him and a result believe at a level that will cause us to hear the announcement that will change our life and cause us to be productive at a time where we didn't even think we're going to make it. See, God is big enough for difficult days. John, in the Spirit, on the Lord's Day, hears this voice, turns, and he sees the lampstands, and then his focus is lifted to this one who is speaking, and first of all, it speaks of his robe. Now, the Roman... Garment that the soldiers wore tended to stop at the knees. But this robe went all the way to the floor. And it spoke of God's authority. That's what John is seeing. He's not just seeing this person robed beautifully and powerfully. He's seeing the reality of God's authority. He goes on to talk about his head and his hair were white like wool. Speaking of God's wisdom. The wisdom that comes from the one who's the same yesterday, today. And forever, the eternal one, wisdom from the ancient of days, whose eyes were like flames of fire. Not eyes that would look to scorch you once you've done something wrong, to catch catch you in sin and burn you out, but eyes that would seek to warm the wounded heart, to cauterize the wound, the injury. These eyes of fire, it speaks of the purity of God. Just shortly into this unveiling, we are seeing his authority and dignity his wisdom and purity. Then he talks about his feet as having come from the furnace. They were polished. They were solid. And it speaks of God's mastery as the picture of the winner putting his foot right on the neck of the enemy that's been defeated. Wisdom, purity, dignity, authority, and mastery. As John is seeing all of this, it doesn't lead him to wanting to give some salute to this heavenly being that is way out there somewhere. It is to see that it's connected to his current reality, that this kind of power was available for his present moment and his destiny. The whole essence of the series that God is big enough is to help us to know that the greatness of God is directly connected to our current reality and our future destiny. Can you say amen? Amen. You see, when you go to the cross, Every one of these things that we've just seen, they're inverted. It's just the opposite. He's not wearing a robe of authority on the cross. He's stripped and abused, beaten. His head and hair are not white like wool. They're bloodied because of the crown of thorns. His eyes aren't like flames of fire. They're filled with tears. As his voice in Revelation that's like sounds of Niagara, they're on the cross. Sounds of a dying Savior offering words of forgiveness to the thief. Words of care for his mom. Words to this world. On the cross, his feet are not the picture of victory having been forged in the furnace. feet that have been pressed through with the spikes. So when we come to Revelation 1, And John has this incredible vision of Jesus. What you are seeing is victory that's been attained at a price. Victory that has come by way of the cross and the resurrection. And that victory attained at a price is not so that we say today, He is a great God and park it there. It's that we would say he is a great God. And that greatness attained at a price is linked directly to my present reality so that I could call out on the name of the Lord and find that his name has power to minister and meet the need that then the surpassing peace, the peace that passes all understanding would be a guardian of my heart, for he shall supply all of my needs. And when I look to tomorrow, I don't have to fear because he's already there. This victory that we see in Christ in Revelation 1 is tied to my vision. Let's give him praise today. He's a great God. He's a great God. Now it's interesting when you see this connection. And then you see exactly what happened. He laid his right hand on John. That right hand of God through the scripture speaks of immediacy and power. It's immediate, available strength. I believe, and this leadership team believes, That in a gathering like this, there is what we call the manifest presence of God. God is everywhere at the same time. But he's not everywhere the same. Everywhere he is God. But he manifests in a very distinct and discernible way. Because his greatness is tied to our current reality. There's a current reality of this church and your life that is different than the reality of those sitting in a church down the street across the nation or around the world. So the manifest presence of God to us is for us so that we do not see him as this God remote, distant, or unspeaking but in his greatness in the quality of his nature and character We don't back up and just say he's exalted. We say he's exalted and he is with me. And the fact that he is with me makes a difference. I find very few people that struggle with the truth that he's present. Here's the issue. The fact that he's present makes a difference. So that you aren't going to leave here in the way that you came. Because the presence of the Lord is here. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is wisdom, there is dignity, there is purity, there is power, and there is mastery. The addicted can be free, the lost can be found, the sick can be healed, and the wounded can be restored. Give God praise today for His greatness in this place. Hallelujah. Now, 20 years running in the ministry as a pastor, I've had to stand and give announcements. And at times, I have gotten those announcements so confused, nobody in the church could have possibly known what it is that we were trying to do. And I've given announcements, and I I could tell by the looks on the faces of those I was talking to, they didn't care about the announcements. The announcement time was to do something else. So, I would just like to pause and say, Chance who is right back here. Great job on the announcements today. That that's that was like even anointed. <laughs> Unlike the guy who got up in front of his church and he said this right here. Check it out. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> now, he was trying to get it right. But by the time it circulated through his brain and through his his past week schedule, that's what he said. But I like the next one, this guy gets up and he says, remember in prayer, the many who are sick of our church and our community, (laughs) you gotta love it. Which that's not as far from the truth as you might think. (laughs) Announcements, you want them to be clear, accurate. You want people to hear them because it meets them where they are and tells them what's coming. Jesus, after this incredible appearance that he makes to John, is now moving into the part of the service because he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Now it's come the announcement time. They've had worship. Now it's time for the announcements. And the first announcement he gave to John was this. Don't be afraid. Isn't that an awesome announcement? John, don't fear. Why could John have an open heart to the words, fear not, when he is on the Isle of Patmos? Because he had seen in the revelation of the risen Christ, God's authority, God's victory. And though we struggle, this present struggle is not worthy to compare hallelujah, with the victory that shall be revealed. John said, I'm your brother in perseverance. I'm not giving up, and I'm not going to quit. What resourced his heart to keep keeping on was the fact that he knew God was in control so he could hear the words, fear not, don't be afraid. I've not given you a spirit of fear. Now let me talk to you, church, Hear me as a pastor today. Let me say to you, God has not given you a spirit of fear. If something is making you uncertain or even fearful, even moving to a spirit of fear, I want you to see that the resurrected Christ and his power is linked to your reality. Don't leave here in a spirit of fear. You do not have to put up with something that he has not given you. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Be set free from a spirit of fear. Don't be afraid. It's a great announcement, isn't it? And they just get better. He says to John, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. The beginning and the end. See, we have a current reality. God never has a current reality. He's seen it. He's known about it. This is the new season, starting three services. After this, I get to do it a third time. Praise God. So when I get to heaven, the first thing I'm going to do is preach a 10,000-year sermon. I know some of you think you're already doing that. But you wait till heaven without taking a breath. I get to do this. It's It's a new reality. It's our first time to do this. Children's ministry is all new. Right now, the first time in the history of the church, we have a ministry going on for 6th to 8th graders. Completely focused to them. Incredible. We have 60 small groups about to open up with over 500 people already signed up in those groups. That's our current reality. We have a precious family that's gotten an assignment to go to Afghanistan. That's a new reality. But it isn't new to God. He knew about it before we were a thought. He knew about it before this church ever started. I want to tell you today, whatever your current reality, it isn't new to God. News isn't happening to God. History doesn't happen to God because God is God. God is in control. Praise Him today that He is aware. First and last. Beginning and end. That means He's gone before us. In all of my questions, He's already got the answer. I'm trying to say, how is this going to work? He already knows. The door that needs to open, it will open at just the right time. The people that need to be a part of it will be there. The resources will be there. The power will be there. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's a finisher. He started this church. He started your journey. And what God has started, God will finish. And I praise him today that inside of us is a finisher. Come on, really give him praise. If you thank God, that in you is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the ancient of days, the first and the last. Same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never failed. He's never made a mistake. He's never lost a battle. That's this one that John sees. And it's linked directly to where we are and where we're going. Praise God. He says to John, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the eternal one. And then he says, I love this. I am he that liveth and was dead. Now at that point, with every other world religion and the person they try to set as their leader, their king, this is where it stops with them. Lived, died. But with the leader, the Lord, this sovereign this ancient of days who became one of us, tempted in all points like as we are, then to the cross as the perfect sacrifice. Shed his blood, gave his life. Die. Lived. died. That's the cross. He died. But on Sunday morning, he rose again, and it's theology all in a verse. I was dead, but now I'm alive that's resurrection and I'm alive forever that's ascension that's having passed through the heavenlies and now seated at the right hand of the father who ever lives to make intercession who watches over us with singing who ever lives to bring our name before that throne of God so that when we cry out he's answering while we're asking that we might obtain mercy and grace In our time of need. The psalmist through the years saw it prophetically. That when my heart is overwhelmed. He'll lead me to a rock. That is higher than I. In the time of trouble. He will be a present help. The Lord is with me. In the secret place of the most high God. I will abide under the shadow of the almighty. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the one who lived, died. And rose again. And he ever lives, he is in control. And then he says, "John, here's one more announcement. See, these are great announcements. Here's the next one. And I hold the keys of death and hell. Can I? Can you? Just, yeah, just throw them up here for me. Good throw. I would think you were a Dallas Cowboy throwing the ball like that. Oh, God." And I hold the keys, he said. Now, between Friday and Sunday, there was spiritual activity going on. The Bible says Jesus went right into the heart of the earth. Satan was holding the the keys. It wasn't like an ultimate fight night where they duked it out and at the end of the last round, Jesus was declared the victor. He is the champion. I feel Carmen coming on me right now. Uh (laughs) Feel a human video coming on. I love the human video, but the bottom line is this. When Jesus confronted Satan with the voice of authority, having shed blood without sin, died according to the law, died according to prescription. Died as he died, he simply said, You have something that is mine. And he reached out his spiritual hand and he took the keys. And on Sunday morning, the tomb opened up, and up from the grave, he arose with the keys of death and hell. And every once in a while, you just need to shake the keys to remind Satan he has been defeated. You're not fighting for victory. Come on, church. You're fighting from victory because God holds the keys of sin, of death, and of hell. We're on the winning side. We're purchased by the blood, and we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Not what I was. I'm a child of God, born again, brought into the family of God. He holds the keys i look at these keys i see the key to the car gives me access key to the house gives me access ...key to the church, gives me access, it allows me to get from where I am to where I need to be. Jesus says, I'm in control. I have authority. I have wisdom. I have power. I have purity. I have all that you need. I even have the keys. Now lift up your eyes to me. I'll get you from where you are to where you need to be. Do you see the link between the greatness of God and our present reality? Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm he that liveth, was dead... But now I'm alive and I hold the keys. Let's praise him this morning. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. God is with us. Looking for a way to appropriately close this message. I was captivated by how it says John saw. In Revelation 1, these lampstands. He turned to see this voice that was like a Niagara. And I thought about Mary coming to John and to Peter, having found the tomb empty. She said, he's not there. And the Bible records this. John's the one who wrote it. It's in the book of John. Says how John and Peter, they ran to the tomb. For whatever reason, John really wants us to know that he outran Peter. <laughs> it says, and I love it, in his writing he refers to himself as the other disciple. Here it says, Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He's writing, John's writing. I'd love to put my name, I'll just put the other disciple because Peter knows who I'm talking about. Out, outran I got there first. And it says, John stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. He didn't go in. It's The word saw in the Greek is he glanced. I just glanced. I saw a keyboard. I saw percussion instruments. I saw guitars. But I can't tell you the name brand. I didn't stop and, and study. That's John. He, he runs. He gets to the tomb. He looks and it's like he, he saw it at a glance. He continues. Then Simon Peter arrived. Finally. Went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings the Greek of the word he noticed John he glanced, Peter goes in and he's, he's checking it out he's, he's studying it, he, he's trying to put it together you see the difference and the scripture goes on to say, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, so now John's going back in the tomb And he saw and believed. And the word saw in the Greek is the same word of Revelation 1. When he saw this one whose voice was like that of a trumpet, crashing waves. He saw this one whose head and hair was white like wool, like snow, eyes of fire, feet of polished bronze. He saw this robe of authority he saw it. When John went into that tomb, and it says he saw, it's like, he got it. It's like, yes, this is what he's been trying to teach us. This, in the Last Supper, they were all confused. He was you know, going through what we know as communion, and, and they're trying to figure this out, and John was as close to him as he could get. And, and then off to the garden, and now this crucifixion, John stayed as close To Jesus, closer than any other disciple through the whole crucifixion process. He's trying to put it together. And when he went and he saw, then he said, Yes, I get it. In Revelation, when he saw, he fell at his feet, he submitted. You see, when you really see it, you submit. And once you submit, you succeed. Not a success defined by the world, success defined by Knowing God and receiving his portion for you on a daily basis and for your destiny. If you will just see that he is God, that God is big. Then it moves on to, and he's big enough for my difficult days. And when you see it, you submit. You quit trying to figure it out, work it out, and stressing out, you submit. Say, let me give you some announcements. Don't be afraid. I'm in control. I've been here, I'm here, and I'll be here. You're gonna outlive this problem because I'm with you. I'm alive. Hallelujah. I'm alive. And I hold the keys. It's gonna be alright. You're on the winning side, and you submit then you succeed with every eye closed.